there are lots of things that I've done a lot that I'm not good at. Welcome to Geeks Without God with Tim Wick, Nick Glover, and Molly Glover. We're geeks, we're geeks, we're geeks without God. This week on Geeks Without God, we're talking with our friend Jen Coetz about the idea of the breadth of geek pursuits versus the depth of geek pursuits. Is one better than the other? Probably not. We're geeks, we're geeks, we're geeks without God. We're geeks, we're geeks, we're geeks without God. We're geeks, geeks without God. Welcome to Geeks Without God. I'm your host, Tim Wick. I am joined, as always, by my co-host, Molly Glover. Hello. And Nick Glover. Pew, pew, pew. Pew, pew. (laughs) And we are joined by our good friend and first-time guest. I don't know how this is only the first time that she's been a guest, but uh, indeed it is our good friend, Jen Coetz. Hello, Jen. Hello, long-time listener, first-time schmuck. Lovely to be here. Uh, first-time first time sucker, really. I was going to say, time. I've seen you be a schmuck before. <laughs> yeah, like professionally. And uh, speaking, of, speaking of professional schmucks, which we won't be, but uh, it's, it's uh, the traditional transition that I use at this point. Uh, Jen is here to talk about uh, geek hobbies and and sort of a breadth versus depth and how how sometimes uh, geeks get involved in a whole bunch of things sort of shallow in a shallow fashion uh, and uh, whether or not that's that's better or worse and whether or not we're judged if we uh, if we really get into something super deeply versus a whole bunch of things sort of uh, being jack of all trades master of none I suppose is a way of looking at it versus a master of one. Uh, so I, I'm, I'm versus a master of puppets. versus a master of wow. yes. So Jen, why don't I let you uh, sort of frame this conversation more than I just framed this conversation? Sure. Um, so uh, just during the pandemic um, and beyond, uh, as we've all continued our lives, uh, I just keep seeing this recurring thing of like. People returning to what's comfortable versus trying new things and also this commodification of expertise, right? So Mm -hmm. there's this idea that like you should only pick up a hobby if one day you become good enough to sell it on Etsy or Mm -hmm. make your own hot sauce brand if you're Nick posting your amazing (laughs) delicious photos of your hot sauces. And um, and in geek culture, that manifests as like knowing every detail of every character on your favorite series um, versus enjoying a lot of series. And I just think over and over again, we apply kind of a false morality to um, the expert or the deep knowledge people um, as opposed to the the breadth of knowledge people. Like you said, the jack of all trades, the casual enjoyers. Um, so I just, I, it's an interesting thing that keeps coming up in my world, uh, particularly with my job, as people keep telling me to like go deeper in my career instead of mm-hmm. learn new things. Mm-hmm. Sure. That's, I, uh, I think I see that a lot with like nerd knowledge. Like, I feel like there's a part of nerd culture that, that pushes toward the like deep knowledge type stuff because there's this perception that, uh, 
uh, you know, if you're a nerd, you're an outsider because you are obsessed about a thing. And, and I mean, like the term fan comes from fanatic, right? And so like, mm-hmm. if you're not obsessed about Star Trek and if you don't know, you know, what happened in this episode or that episode or who wrote Spock's brain and things like that, you're somehow like less of a nerd than someone else that enjoys it more casually, even though what you you are worth more as a fan because you've spent more time watching star trek i don't you know like i yeah i i get that i see that do you jen do you feel like this is a uniquely american situation or is this something i know you're 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 you tend to be a little more i don't know i don't well traveled or at least like globally minded than a lot of people i know do you feel like this is something that we see more with americans and especially in terms of the ascribing morality to it America's favorite pastime. <laughs> yeah, I I hope I'm I'm worldly in that way. Um, but <laughs> I I see it as um like capitalist brain rot. Uh, I see it as, which is uh especially but not uniquely American, right? Like every time I make a new thing, I made my friend this beautiful book nook, and it took me so much time, and I'm never making another one ever again. And everyone said, "Oh, you should sell this on Etsy," and I was like. No, absolutely not. Will I do that? Um, and it was like a work of love that everyone saw as a work of commodity. Um, like I had the in same the thing happen. I had the same thing happen when I made those felted animals, those little guys that I was just like, look, I did a thing and it didn't look like crap. And everyone was like, oh, my God, you could sell those. And I'm like, I don't want to. <laughs> like, I, don't, <laughs> I don't I don't. I don't, I barely sell the stuff I do like doing all the time. Theater. Selling yeah. <laughs> like, stuff is a hassle. <laughs> Like, what's that? Is it uh, better off dead or whatever? Like, I don't want to, I don't want to sell anything manufactured or manufacture anything so- sold or yeah, like that whole long quote. Like, this just runs through my mind with stuff like it this is, sometimes. It is like, I don't want a side hustle. It is John Cusack, yeah. but it is say anything. Uh, is it say anything? Yes. Uh, I I don't want a side hustle. I I have hobbies. I don't want to sell anything bought or sold. I don't want to buy anything sold or bought. Anyway, yeah. I don't yeah. want to manufacture anything sold or bought yeah. or buy anything sold or manufactured. Yeah, right. yeah, that whole spiel. Yeah, in our house, um, we use the Highland quote: uh, "Specialization is for insects." <laughs> um, I mentioned that. I mentioned that to Greg earlier, and he was like, "I'll send you the whole quote." And I was like, "We don't. It's yes, <laughs> we'll never. It's a very there. good quote. You should yeah. look it up. A- um, it's." By Lazarus Long in Highland, so or Heinlein. Lazarus Long, Heinlein. Oh, fuck me. Stranger in a Strange Land. This is me showing off my nerd cred. Uh, uh, that I know uh, yes. the name uh, of that book, I got in, even though I never read it. Um. <laughs> uh, speaking of trouble for getting getting in trouble for breadth, uh, my uh, my uh, boss the other day went like, "Jen, grok is a word, right?" And I was like, "Yeah, it's from Stranger in a Strange Land. It means to like know something deeply." And she just stared at me like, "You." friggin nerd i actually think she did say that to me she as she is wont to do um but yeah i am nerd and proud but that said that's that's the only highland brook book i've personally read uh does, i am does grok specifically mean to understand it with a depth or well, just to understand it it's to understand something so holy it's like in avatar when they say i see you uh-huh. Yes. There's another nerd reference for it. it's. Is it's that the, do you mean the blue one or yes, the good the blue one? one. <laughs> okay. No, no, the bad one. It's it's to grok something is to know it so completely that you 
understand the being and essence of a of a thing. Ironically, uh, I and everyone I know use that completely wrong. Everyone oh. I know who uses that <laughs> uses it to mean like I get it. Yeah, I mean, I'm picking up what you're putting down. Right, I grok that. That is a casual like, use yes. of grok, well, which is I very. Think, well, but I think since so many people use it that way, it's that it also yeah. means that, right? That's the thing, and well, and so it's it's funny that it's it means to have a deep understanding, and yet if enough people have a surface understanding of it, and they can kind of change the meaning because of a living language. Well, and that's actually the perfect example of this thing, right? Where like to grok is to understand like primordially, like in your being fully. Um, Heinlein uses it in place of like almost like love uh, in that book. Mm -hmm. um, it's uh, like something like wholly true to your being. Um, Interesting. And then because it was like the groovy 70s, everyone was like, yeah, I grok you, man. Um, but also like for nerds who read the book, it means deep for for pop culture that understands it. It means shallow. It's just this kind mm -hmm. of like dichotomy. And it's whether or not you call someone out on that. Um, it's like the well actually of it all, oh, um, yeah. which, yeah, um, which is like, I can correct you to give you new knowledge or I can recognize that you don't need it. And you know what grok means. And it's all good. Like, <laughs> and like, so I don't mind uh, being corrected because. Like I, I really enjoy being right. It's not like about someone else being wrong. It's about me like knowing a thing. So I feel like if I have the opportunity for someone to be like, actually, it's not that. It's you know, th it's a little bit different because of this. I'd be like, oh, that's that's fucking awesome. All right, ah, now I know that. Ha ha. Now I get to be the the person that says that to someone else the next time they misuse it or whatever. And I appreciate that. I also appreciate that most people probably don't give a fuck. Uh, about, about some things like that and so i can you know try to keep some of that to myself a little bit well it's also worth noting that you are not easily embarrassed and a lot of people are and when you're not easily embarrassed um for whatever reason through you know already having embarrassed yourself on stage like we have or whatever else or just because it's your personality when someone corrects you and you're not easily embarrassed it doesn't feel embarrassing you don't feel like you're like oh cool because you love you love gathering facts like people pick up shiny things like that for you that is a part of your personality but for some people it's like humiliating uh, to be corrected by somebody and to be told there's something different. And I think that's where a lot of nerd rage about gatekeeping comes from is people who are, they feel like they, they opened up and said, I really like thing, you know, Oh, I love Heinlein. You know, I really, I really, I really grok sci-fi. And you're like, Oh, actually that's, it's not how that word is used. It, it means, you know, this, or even if you do gently and you're like, Oh, do you know, you know, how that is usually used, that to them sounds like you're dumb, you don't know anything. And you, as Jen was saying, there is a morality now ascribed to your not knowing. You or to your don't grok shit. That's right. <laughs> and you, yeah, I mean, I've seen people, I've seen people apologize for not having who not getting a reference I'm making. Oh. Be like, oh, I'm I'm sorry. Totally. I haven't seen I haven't seen that. And I'm like, yeah, I don't know why you would. It's an absolute garbage show from the 90s that my brother <laughs> and I quote. And they'll be like, oh God, yeah, no, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I didn't get that. It's like, it's okay, man. I'm I shouldn't have made a reference, yeah. you know, from the <laughs> 90s. <laughs> well, 
I totally agree that it's, I just think it's case dependent, right? I, I also am a crow with facts, just gathering my sweet, shiny things. Um, I love to be corrected. I love to find out where I'm wrong and move forward uh, from there. Um, but yeah, I think it is that like when it's perceived as wrong versus a correction versus like new information to add to your beautiful data store. Um, and yeah, I think that is where where gatekeeping needs to be cautious. And and I don't necessarily know where that line is about like the gentle person who's coming in, who's, you know, like, oh, I cosplayed this character and they get something little wrong and you just go like, oh, I can see how fragile you are in, in this moment. Great job. Um, but like there is something fiendishly beautiful when someone who is gatekeeping and being like, I'm so right about this. And you're like, actually, you're wrong and an idiot. Um, <laughs> um, <laughs> who doesn't love come up? I mean, that's yeah. I uh, yeah. You're, you're talking about hobbies a little bit and. Like I, I'm, I'm a bit magpie-ish with hobbies too. I, I, uh, Molly will say like your, your latest hyper fixation, uh, you know, in, in reference to hobbies and stuff and, and, uh, but I, I very much view it as like a, a Renaissance man dabbling type thing. Like I want to be able to solder and make things. I want to be able to you know, I like, I'm not a woodworking expert and I never will be. I don't have the time or interest or money to dedicate to, to the, you know, the specialized tools and all of that. But like, I want to be able to knock something out quick if I need something for like props or costume or something like that. And so I do dabble a lot in a lot of different things. And there's nothing that I'm super amazing at in that regard either. I'm not like, and a master craftsman at anything that I make or do, but I don't need to be, it doesn't serve me at all to invest the time to get those skills to that point. Cause I'm not, it's not my career. It's hobby. It's, it's, it's bonus fun recreation time. Totally. I think this might've started becoming a PSA for ADHD. Yeah. Um, because that, I was actually just going to ask because like that's, too. That's not, I mean, I, I, I like to do, that's not me. I'm, I'm definitely more of a, it's, it's funny. We, we do a thing called geeky boners where we talk about our, our current latest obsession or the, the thing that we're doing right now. And oftentimes I have to struggle a little bit to come up with something because I'm still doing the thing I always do. Like I'm just reading books or yeah, I'm still doing the, the whatever. And, and so it's, it's, uh, it's interesting how I was going to say, Tim, do you, do you find yourself collecting hobbies? Do you find yourself changing to lots of different things over uh, and over? No, I'm not, I'm not really that, uh, person. You definitely uh, strike me as more of a do the same thing all the time. Yeah. Not I, in a boring I, way, but like, you yeah. know, you like, you enjoy the, when I get into something, I get into it. And, you know, I'm not, I, I have not gotten into, say, crafty hobbies um, because I just haven't. Although, you know, like I've, when Jen and I were talking before we started, like I've been writing people letters since the pandemic started every day. Uh, mm -hmm. And within that, I get these little obsessions like, uh, like I have rules that uh, the envelope must be addressed in a different pen color than I use to write the card. Uh, and mm -hmm. 
Now I'm going to look for that. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Uh, and, uh, you know, it, it's a bit not on postcards. Postcards don't count. It's all the same color. No. But there's no, there's no, there's no, well, yeah. Uh, um, <laughs> and I, 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 I write my return address by hand if I'm sending a personal letter. And I use the many hundreds of return address labels that I've gotten from the Humane Society in an attempt to get me to donate more money uh, for any bills or any other letters that I have to send to people that I don't know. Uh, it, it's just like there, there are all these little rules that sort of started creeping into my, into my behavior and writing it. And that is something that involves me more than enough. And I haven't gone to anything else. And, and I think it also comes down to things like my hobbies in my case have become jobs. Uh, music is a hobby, but it is also a job. Uh, mm -hmm. you know, performing is a hobby, but it is also a job. Writing <laughs> is a hobby, but it's also a job. So all these things that people do for fun and that I do enjoy, I do because it's a job. Mm -hmm. uh, and I, and I turned it into a job. I commoditized, commoditized, yeah. it, um, and not even necessarily intentionally, but in, in a desire to be able to continue to do it. Um, and make it worthwhile to continue to do it. But I tend to focus in on those things rather than go, Oh, I'm going to try this one thing for three or four months and then I'm going to, going to not do it anymore. Um, which I think is a completely valid thing. And I think it's totally cool. It's just not me, you know? Mm -hmm. I just think these two people, like these two types of people we're talking about need each other. Right. Because yeah. I can't, I can't go online and do what I do, which is like, show me how to do this kind of crochet stitch or show me how you made this happen. Um, and I find someone immediately who's a hobbyist, who's great at it, who explains it so well, who maybe is even a professional and has a link to their store. Uh, and I just immediately get great information from people who are expert. Um, I have so many friends who are experts in things I know nothing about. And I just go like, tell me. Um but also, I think things don't evolve as easily if you don't have people like doing jazz with it, and, like trying new things and pushing new things. And um, I, yeah, I just think these are equally good, valid, interdependent things, um, because if you know everything about Star Trek, you might not actually get interested in Star Wars <laughs> or in Lower Decks, which is amazing, or in any number of things. Yeah, I think um, and I say Lower Decks is amazing and I haven't watched it. I just know I've watched <laughs> it because it, I'm a <laughs> because I'm a nerd book. and I know it what people are saying. Book. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think uh I I like within music the example I use is, you know, I have always wanted to learn how to play an instrument, but I'm really good at playing the boron. Mm -hmm. Which means I don't need to do anything else. And because you feel... of that, I've never spent the time to learn music because I'm just like, well, I'm already really good at this thing. And that's what I need to be doing. It's interesting because you say you've always wanted to do this thing, but you're good at this other thing. Now, do you feel like you have to be good at something in order to justify hmm. spending time on it? Because you have so little time generally. Like, do you feel like if you're not, if it's not, if you're not going to be good at it, then why are you wasting your time doing that when you could just be you know, doing the thing you know you're good at. There's certainly a little bit of that, but I think for me it's more, um, 
why would I do something else when what I'm doing is contributing what needs to be contributed? Uh, Interesting. Again, no, contributing. Yeah. I like how you just the, the the language you're naturally using is like, you know, contributing, being good at it. Like it seems like something that you value intrinsically about any activity you perform is that it is uh, providing something to others. And that also it is it is that you do it well. It's not like, cause like, why would I go do something that else? Cause I'm fucking bored and I do stuff all the time. Like uh, I might be like, I know how to grow lavender. Great at it. Easy. I'll probably still do it, but like I've never grown sugar snap peas. So I want to try that. Right. And like, it's going to probably fail. They've failed three years in a row so far. So it's probably going to fail again. But like, it's, it's like, it's an interesting idea. And, and you know, cause I, I do think that like people have a lot of, I don't think there's just the two types of people, but there's that idea of what I'm doing has to uh, have a, a goal. Like my my coworker can't just do something for no reason. Like if he's playing a video game, he needs to be achieving the achievements. He can't oh. just, he doesn't like sandbox games. He doesn't want to just fuck around. He needs to be told what he's doing to achieve the game to be winning. Otherwise he doesn't feel like he's doing anything good. Is this yeah. your coworker that's a producer? Yeah, it is. Uh-huh. Uh, and so like, <laughs> similarly, Like if we're playing board games, if he doesn't know the win conditions right away, he will, or if he finds out later there was a win condition he didn't know about, he'll get mad because he feels like all his time was wasted because he wasn't focusing on doing that. And so it's, you know, I think it's, there's a lot of sliding scales between like, you know, contributing versus just like, I'm just putting it out there. I don't even like, you know, I, I didn't, I don't make stuff to, to have it sometimes just to, to try it. I don't know. It's, it's really interesting. I, Emily, you saying that? Sorry, I was just like you talking about that person made me sweaty. Like that's (laughs) like that's so much anxiety. I really believe in the whole like, uh, you know the the talk thing in um in uh 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 I failed. I fell down so hard there. Um the 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 talk in uh, the King Killer Chronicles. Oh Um, sure, that's like the the game is uh, meant to be like beautifully played. Oh, talk. Um, yes. And I thought you were saying yes. talk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No. Yeah. Um, yeah. But like, that's, you know, my family believes in like, oh, you don't know how to play this game yet? I'll show you and we'll play open handed. And like, I'll, mm-hmm. you know, like I'm trying to get Greg, my partner, to play cribbage. And he's like, I've seen people play it. It's cutthroat. And I'm like, no, I will play it with you at your level. Huh. Like, let's play. Yep. Play. Yep. But like um, he, Jason would say that he loves that too. He just uh, also wants to know what all the, he needs, he needs, he gets anxious not knowing what everything is required for him, for him, an open, let's just have fun and see where this goes is not, is that's what gives him the sweaty anxiety is the, the, the open-ended nature of it. It's you know, interesting. Totally. Everyone's built differently. So some yeah. People, I can't know all the rules. I get overwhelmed by all the rules. It's too much. Yeah, You know, it's funny you bring up cribbage because cribbage is a family game that I have played since I was four. I mean, literally all the time. And, uh, and um, I can look at a hand and instantly know the points. I mean, I know it all the time. And my, my eldest, Alex, is learning cribbage. And we've been playing it. And he's really good. I mean, he's a good player. But it will take him forever to count a hand. And he'll get it wrong. <laughs> And the cutthroat version of cribbage is if somebody else notices a point that you didn't score, they get that point. Uh, we've never played that way. I never, mm-hmm. never, ever, ever played that way. And and to think about people playing that way, it's like, why would you do that? What? Where? Where's the fun in that? Um, 
and mm-hmm. and I can I can so I, I see your point. I see how somebody seeing people playing that way would turn them off because well, it, it is a more complicated game than you think. And there are some Yeah, I play that points. game with Yeah. Sorry. I play that game with my family and we play cutthroat. But like we mm. don't do that with beginners. Right. I you know I think gaming is actually a really good you know area for this topic in mm-hmm. general. I I um <clears throat> I mean you could talk about to some degree like crunch you know crunchy games very rules intense games fantasy flight games um i well i mean the game that comes to mind immediately for me is blood bowl mm-hmm. which is um like a warhammer fantasy football game not fantasy football game but warhammer fantasy football game where you're you're managing a team that you have to paint the miniatures and you you know your dwarves are playing against the skaven or whatever the hell um on its face this game should be super super fun and really enjoyable for me even though i don't really care for sports at all the thing that absolutely ruins blood bowl for me is that it is designed to be a very cutthroat game about um rules and and procedures done in the proper order and if you do if you touch the wrong figure in the wrong order even if you're not moving things or if you roll a die and you don't resolve it right away and you talk you you know pretend you're going to do something else for a second the other player can like essentially call off sides and your turn is done and to me this seems like oh okay you've made you've invented a mechanism to just sap all of the fun from this game but in when I've played in Blood Bowl tournaments, there are people who that is their fun. That is that sort of cutthroatness, that that intense rules lawyerness mm-hmm. of it is is very fun for them. And mm-hmm. that is, oh, they love being able to point and go, aha, but you forgot to do this little bit and your entire turn is gone. Ha, huh? I, you know, whatever. Yep. Um and I I just feel like um I, you know, it, it, in gaming, it gets framed a lot as like casual versus hardcore. Yes. But I I play games that are considered fairly hardcore, and I play games that are pretty casual, and I just am trying to have fun, man. Well, and like, the again, back to the, what you were saying, Jen, about ascribing morality to, you know, the two different, you know, good or bad to the two kinds, it's like, you know, a lot of people are like, I mean, there's literally a term in gaming, filthy casuals. Oh, yeah. Which is like, oh, my game got ruined by a bunch of a bunch of filthy casuals joined my raid and none of them are any good. So we lost. Right. And it's like, you know, we even use it in the board game industry, mostly jokingly or ironically, but kind of like, you know, is this game going to be playable by filthy casuals or is it only for you crunchy assholes? Okay. You know, like the people who are like, <laughs> is it only going to be good for people who are like, I have memorized every single card ability and I I know exactly what to do. And so, you know, we definitely, depending on, you know, who you are, it's it's because morality is completely subjective. I mean, 100% subjective and arguable in all directions. Somebody standing saying, I love board games and it's a hobby and I'm in, I'm in it and all my friends, it's all we do. And so people who are just like casuals who just want to play like, oh, they play Catan or whatever, uh, like they're less than, mm-hmm. you know, it's like a, they're, they're less than us who are the, we are the goods, you know, we are the good people here. And that, that tribalism really, you get that a lot. At and in any nerd 
hobby really, or any, I know, I guess you could say nerd industry, but you know, you see it in with, with people who watch movies, you see it with video games. I see it in music nerds, you know, who are like when that music game was going around on Facebook, where it was like, I'll list 12 artists. And then you say who your favorite one was. I saw people who would be like, lots of obvious choices here, but I'm going to go with, and like, the deepest track you've never fucking heard of off like an unreleased live single that you know and it's just like, it's like okay is that really your yes. favorite fucking song that's not your right? favorite fucking song right? you're just trying to show off like okay no. good that's no. not crunchy like you win that's the not crunchy you, that's pretentious you yep your best you have the most morality here as the number one song guy <laughs> it's and and again i feel like it comes back to this you know gatekeepy thing that i feel like is kind of inherent to at least older nerds uh, younger nerds too probably that is if i'm if my identity if i'm basing my identity or terms that i use to describe myself off these hobbies right Mm -hmm. if i'm a nerd and i'm and part of being a nerd is you know like star wars and warhammer and you know pokemon or whatever the hell i'm a movie geek or i'm a movie geek right whatever then then you're in order to earn or hold that title and have it be a valid part of your identity there's this pressure that people are mostly applying to themselves not necessarily a strictly external pressure but but also that that to that they have to deep dive and become an expert and they have to to super specialize in these things in order to justify it as a part of their identity. You can't be a star Wars nerd. If you haven't, you know, seen all of clone wars and even, you know, made yourself watch bad batch and, and everything, right? Like, like you can though, you, you, you're setting that requirement for yourself and maybe there's a soft implication from others that makes you feel like you need to do that thing. But I feel like as long as nerds are kind of basing their identity around things that they're just buying (laughs) or subscribing to and watching or renting or whatever. P.S. We love our listeners. No, I I mean, I'm not saying anything that I'm not super guilty of as well. Right. Because all these things are absolutely about myself, too. But like, like the thing is that like. You you can be a nerd for a lot of different reasons, but if the reason you're a nerd is because you've spent more money on pop figures than anyone else, <laughs> then like then like you're a capitalist buyer of things. Like you're not is that a hobby or are you just spending money and 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 like collecting and I have I collect stuff. I have Doctor Doom, you know, figures and stuff all over the place. And so again, like I'm just as guilty as this as anyone that might feel like they're being criticized by this but i just feel like again it's the soul crushing capitalism right like you gotta grind and you gotta spend well i think it it moves beyond that into just like pain like you know we're talking (laughs) about like not making your hobby a job you know like turn what you love into um the thing that defines you and inevitably crush all the love you ever had for it um but there's that thing right of like oh, well, if I do this, then I need to do this next thing. So, like, I am a, a bit of a, a movie nerd. I was raised in a movie nerd family, and I recently ha- had to, made myself, I don't know, watch Logan's Run. Oh. Tried to watch it, 
couldn't just like literally couldn't keep my eyes on the television starting halfway through, even though it's like funny, bad, too bad. And then I was like, no, I have to finish it. And so even though I watched it at a friend's house, I rented it separately because I was going to watch Logan's run. And you know what? No, don't. No, <laughs> don't do it. Like, you know what? Molly and Nick's fans and Tim's fans get in the comments. Tell me I'm wrong. I'm right. Uh, it's a terrible. Will, it's unwatchable. I will say, though, I think I think that there's a difference. There's a difference between, you know, I, we don't the message. I don't know. At least the message I'm not trying to get across is don't make your hobby your job, because for some people, obviously, Tim here is a kind of a shining example of this. For some people, it it works. And I know that, Tim, there are times where music feels like a grind. You know, but at the same time, you would not still be in the same band if you didn't love it. Right. Genuinely like love it, even right. the grind part. And so for some people, you can make your hobby your job. I know all kinds of people who went from being hobby gamers to now they are in the game industry. Right. You know, and and but at the same time, I think it's more the that the the pressure that you feel from society to do it when you are reluctant to do it. Like you feel yeah. like you have to commoditize yourself or, or there's no purpose to what you're doing. So don't, if you want to open up an Etsy shop for your cake pops, fucking amazing, please do it. Realize that you're going to be making the same cake pop over and over and over. You will no longer. I mean, I, I saw a woman tweet about how she, she got into crochet and then she made an Etsy shop and she was like, but I want to crochet fun new things, but I can't because I've got to crochet 14 foxes and 12 pandas. And I'm just going to do the same thing over and over and over for the next two weeks to get these orders out. So I don't get to have fun anymore. Mm -hmm. That's the kind of thing that if, if that duplication grind doesn't sound good to you if singing virgin sturgeon uh <laughs> 35 times every summer doesn't sound good you know like that's the kind of thing you have to really think about so you know i i i feel like there is there should be more room in american society i don't know about other countries as much but like to just fuck around and find out and maybe what you find out is i'm not very good at this <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I think the the point I'm making is like, you know, if you if you want to make your hobby your job, great. But don't make your hobby work. Like, don't make it yeah. like yeah. that's a better way to put don't it. Don't make it subsume you. Like, I you don't like this over game, your hobby. but I need. Yeah, like I I don't like this game, but I'm a completionist, so I'm gonna keep playing it. Like, no, stop. Like, why yeah. are you causing yourself pain for some ephemeral understanding that you can be? the person who played the game and you're the kind of person that would have played this game like that's like the, the world's hard. touch grass go outside <laughs> we can't it's minnesota winter the grass <laughs> no, is under i'm five in new york now pollen sensitive these californians they always forget <laughs> i'm in new york now in there new york rough patches somewhere <laughs> it's oh and so i you know a part of me wonders um, because, you know, again, like our perspective here is, is pretty squarely American, uh, United States Ian, uh, and you're looking at, you know, our amount of free time, how much of our life we're expected to dedicate to work and income and that Child you know, care. Protestant I mean... work ethic, if, if you want to use that term, um, and how little vacation time and, and, uh, just our general expectation for work less life balance is pretty dramatically different than a lot of other countries. 
how much of this is just another form of that societal pressure rearing its head where like i you know i love to like share the socialist memes and try to be a good leftist and everything but like if i do bad at work i feel guilty <laughs> <laughs> like my my you know uh fucking fortune 500 company gives a fuck about me but like you know i care about the quality of my work and i care about what i do and i feel bad if i'm not if i let down you know work which is stupid but at the same time those same pressures have have you know influenced me shaped who i am as a person and and if i don't find that if i need that sense of accomplishment it could bleed into my hobbies or my recreational TV viewing in the, in a completionist sense where mm -hmm. I need that sense of, uh, um, completion or, um, I don't know, just, just total like coverage of a thing in order to like, get that same sense of satisfaction because of all that. Maybe I feel like as I've gotten older, yeah. I've gotten a lot better at walking away from shit. Oh Yeah. Just like put the book down. Don't care. Half done. Too bad. Go read. The, you know what? You know who knows the ending? Goodreads. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, That's yeah. one, of the, one of the most liberating things about reading the vast majority of comics I read from the library now is yep. if I get like the equivalent of two issues into a book and I don't like it, I fucking stop. Yep. I don't make myself keep reading it. I don't make myself keep buying the issues with sunk cost fallacy. I just bring it back to the library and get a different comic. Yeah, it, uh, I'm kind of with movies, if I'm like, well, I'm kind of interested in that movie, but I don't know if I want to invest the two hours. I'll go and read the plot synopsis on Wikipedia and be like, all right, mm -hmm. now I know what happened. Uh, yep. And, yep. And, it's a, it's really, yep. That's what I did for orphan too. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, that looks kind of good. And then I saw the trailer. I'm like, she's so old. Like she's so much older. This doesn't work. And then I read the plot synopsis. I'm like, all right, no, that's fine. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I sadly am like a, a lurker on Wikipedia for comic books because as someone who has way too many hobbies, I can't spend that much money. And so I have extensively read through like eras and eras of comics because I'm just like, that's too much money. I spend enough money. I can't. Um, yep. And frankly, I don't have time to rent to get uh, comics from the library. So I'll just go on a wiki hole about like the entire phoenix saga for oh, yeah. several mm -hmm. hours and be like ah mm -hmm. i enjoyed that and it makes me sad i would like to have read it but like there's a practical reality of being an adult sorry yep. absolutely but, yeah i mean the we hardest, don't even have the, kids the worst <laughs> thing about capitalism uh is that it you have to work most of your life to be able to do the things you want to do i mean that's that's, that's why we do our job that's why we right. do our job right. is to be able to do the things we enjoy because that's how capitalism works. The only way to be able to do the things you enjoy is to have money. The only way to make money is to give your time to somebody else. And then you've got to figure out a way to take the time that you have for yourself and economize by Wikipedia, going down a Wikipedia hole to, to go through an era of comics because you only have so much money and you only have so much time and where do you want to use that and where do you want to spend it? 
Well, and being able to spend it on things you enjoy versus things you need is right. even a luxury on its own. Right. Like yeah. not, you know, like a lot of people wouldn't say, well, I enjoy eating and paying rent, you know, as much as it, but that's all they get to have time for because they got to work yeah. two jobs. Yeah. Right. But, like, yeah. But if you only have so many hours to yep. you know, read comics or to watch movies or whatever, then all of a sudden it can become work and all of a sudden mm -hmm. you can fall back into that completionist mindset where it's like, no, you don't understand. I only get to do this so many hours a week. So I'm going to fucking like milk it for every goddamn bit I can mm -hmm. in that amount of time. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden you can be falling back into that, like, you know, valuing depth over just enjoying. Because we're forced to, I think, I think if I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, Tim, but I think we're getting in is because we're forced to justify our time to someone else, yeah. uh, an employer or, you know, our family or whoever else, because we have to justify where we spend our time and, and to the government even then because of that, we have to, we, we start to fall into this, like, well, no, I have to justify why I am instead of cleaning the house, I want to play a video game for two hours. How can I justify, you know, and, and, hmm. and maybe I can justify it by, well, but if I'm going to beat the video game, then I'm one of the select few who's won. And then it's like, now it's, now it's a re now I have a purpose, you know, it's, it's, yeah, I find it really, this kind of stuff I find super interesting because, you know, when you tell, you know, what's fun is uh, if you tell somebody that uh, you are, a, uh, that you are a, 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 like a, I can't get the right, I can't get the words right. What's the opposite of a moral absolutist when you're like a moral objectivist, I guess, just like, mm -hmm. but I'm like, I think people are like, I'm like, I think morality is completely, sub, you know, completely subjective. Moral and relativist. Can kind of, you know, moral relativist. Yeah. That's the one. When I've said it, I, I, I have subscribed to moral relativism and people are like, oh, so you just think that like whatever you decide, that's when it's good or bad. I'm like, that's literally what everyone does all the time, every day. Like that's, that's what your morality is. It's what you decide is good or bad all the time. Not me. You know, I listen to my church and I listen to the people in my community. I'm like, that's still you deciding that what they said is valid. Or that's you, like, why are you rejecting one and accepting the other? Well, because I know which ones are, well, see, now here we are, we're right back at this, now we're the same again. And like, it's funny how people get really mad because they want there to be uh, objective, black and white, good and bad, you know, so it is, it is, it is immature to play video games as an adult. It is selfish to not want children. It is, you know, it is bad to not commoditize your hobby. It is a waste of your time to do that. It is, you know, and, and they... They, they want to be able to say that because they they want to be able to justify why they aren't letting themselves do those things. And so to say it is a childish waste of your time. I don't I don't waste people do it. it when our, I don't waste my time on sports, you know, or whatever. Right. Like it's. Yeah. But then in that same then you get the, the kind of elitism in the other direction from that, which is, well, in order for me to not consider it a waste of my time, I had to spend so much time doing this. Right. To see someone else that isn't investing that same amount of time or effort come along and yep. try to grab that same title yep. is an insult to everything I sunk in. And it's like, man, you choose to sunk that in. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I just think all of this is such an obvious shame um, because yeah. it allows you to not, not discover new things. Uh, like, for example, we're talking about filthy casuals versus. Crunchy, crunchy assholes. <laughs> That's my crunchy own assholes. <laughs> where where does where does Mysterium fall in that? Like, mm. uh, which is you know, yeah. But I mean, like, 
it has rules enough that yep. filthy casuals won't sit down and try it. Yep. Um, but it's not crunchy enough for the exactly. assholes. It's- and it's a really cool game, especially if you like really know the people you're playing with. Too much of a boy um, for crazy and, town, too crazy for boys town. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and like, I play a lot of indie video games. So oh. everyone's talking about like, yeah, I don't want to shoot people. And I'm like, what about Edith Finch? What about Gris or Grease? However you're supposed to say it. What about these games that are about like moving through trauma? And I played a game where know, I was a fox like, running through the woods and I don't even know what it, I was just a fox running through the woods. And then every now and then someone in a voiceover said something about my dead dad. And I was just the like, first tree. the first tree, the first tree. And I was like, what the fuck is happening in this game? <laughs> oh, no. Like I, that game. But yes, I, ended up I know crying. exactly what you mean. Yeah. So uh, yep. we could, we could continue on this topic forever and uh, perhaps should, but we're not going to. Uh, <laughs> we are instead going to move on to five questions. Jen has not answered our five questions because, as I pointed out at the beginning of this episode, uh, she has somehow never appeared on our podcast before. Clearly, And she's never sent in her answers. Yes. Mm. Oh, I like... didn't know I was supposed to. Well, do you... Mm-hmm. <laughs> you say long time listener, I'm, you're I'm... lying. Uh... I was a long time listener throughout my time in Minnesota. Oh. It's been a minute. I apologize. Yeah, sorry, we aren't we aren't <laughs> really relevant. We aren't really relevant to California. I was about to say, yeah, filthy casual. That's right. me. So we are going to move through these five questions. Molly, why don't you ask question number one? Question one: What is a game you have played recently that you really enjoyed? Um. So currently, I love Vampire Survivors. Uh, it mm-hmm. is a video game that is available like everywhere. It is deceptively simple. The tagline is be the bullet hell. Um, And it is great. If you are epileptic, please do not pick up this game, please. Um, But for most, um, but it is like, it's just very hard to describe. You'll enjoy it, but it is very photosensitive issues. So minimalistic, very sorry. Minimalistic gameplay with roguelite elements. It's kind of um, like, Smash TV, Super Meat Boy, like top down, absolute sure. clusterfuck of pixels. Sure, sure. <laughs> yes. Mobs and yeah. mobs and mobs and mobs of sounds, everything. Sounds amazing. Yeah. Uh, Nick, question then, number. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. You were not done. <laughs> oh, just for card games, finally got into Anomia. Definitely pick that one up. A great game for filthy casuals or post crunchy games. What's it called? Anomia. Um, Anomia. It's been out for a few years. It has the kind of like spoons, oh hell, Egyptian rat screw type thing, but it's Mm -hmm. semi-trivia based. Um, And it just has like this frenetic energy to it that's like very fun. Um, fun. It's great as like a wind down game after a crunchy game. Yeah, this definitely looks like this looks like an OmegaCon game for sure. All right. How has it not been one yet? I don't know. Yeah, Nick, (laughs) question number two. Question two, what science fact or discovery do you think is really fucking cool? Uh, I just learned about the Tully monster, um, which is a, um, it took years to figure out what it was. They think now it's a cephalopod that specifically lived between uh, 307 and 309 million years ago (laughs) in Illinois specifically. Oh, wow. Um, And it. It has like a little dingle bar for eyes, like it looks like Shrek ears, and they couldn't classify it forever. 
Um, that and uh, I wrote down <laughs> I its it. name because I get it wrong. Yeah. Uh, Tully Monstrum. Yes, right. Tully Monstrum, the Tully Monster. And also the existence of Hallucigenia, which is like for years and years, scientists couldn't tell what was its butt and what was its head. <laughs> um, and it was named halluc Hallucigenia because it was like mind boggling to even try to imagine. Um, oh, but now wow. we know it's related to water bears. So that's cool. Oh, cool. And we know. Are these microscopic? Do we know? Do we know? Do we know where its butt is now? Do we know? Have we figured that out? We finally figured out well, thank where goodness. its head is. Well, and we are, are actually they, what, able to classify it based on its eyes, like the Tully monster. What size are these creatures? I'm seeing images, but it's not in, telling me if they are like we're microscopic at, or or at the Tully monster. Little. It's yeah. The uh, hallucigenia is uh, something like an eighth of an inch or so, okay. up to okay. almost three inches, something like okay. that. Yeah. Hallucigenia looks like something out of like. Uh, the the thing or like uh uh very very lovecraftian absolutely lots yeah. of like oh, yeah. make sure you put a picture up yeah that's nice i gotta, gotta yeah, eat your that. heart out geiger <laughs> yeah for sure then <laughs> uh, now we know where he got his ideas question number three where do you get your sense of right and wrong from since it clearly isn't religion i mean <laughs> this is like the question of ethics versus morality like you have <laughs> stumbled backward into mm -hmm. that argument right mm -hmm. Um, and like ethics is what society deems correct, or in this case, a religion. Morality comes from within. Ethics can say don't kill someone and morality does too. But ethics can say there's a law against yelling fire in a crowded building and morality will say, well, whether or not there's a law, I don't think I should do that. Probably well, then let's bad, say but... where do you get your sense of ethics from? Well, I mean, I think this whole question is one of those questions that presupposes that free will inherently means violence. Um, which is not something humans posit. That's something religions posit. Because if you presuppose that free will means violence, then give over your free will to us and you can trust us and we can help you. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that that's like one of the beguiling parts of religion is when people have already engaged in immoral acts, they start to believe, yeah, maybe I shouldn't have control. Um, and yeah, I think it's a control mechanism mm -hmm. um, because my free will doesn't cause me to commit violence it makes me make moss terrariums like <laughs> i harm means harm i don't want to hurt people and i don't want them to hurt me and i don't want to hurt the world okay so just like, <laughs> from an innate from an innate sense of not wanting to do harm yeah i like i just i find it very mind-boggling that you can look at like the utter miracle that is us being able to experience sentience and therefore see the world and then go like yeah i'm gonna break it like, that just doesn't make any sense to me great Fair. all right Fair. question four if you could build a robot to perfectly perform one chore or task for you for the rest of your life what chore or task would you choose i'll bet it's make monsterariums <laughs> she likes doing that oh never mind never mind <laughs> that's my zen place um so i actually thought about this and obviously mundane things like clean my house and get groceries but i don't know how this technology would work but if no, i could have a robot happen, yeah pee or poop for me for the rest hey, of my life yeah. so i never have to take care of that yeah yeah just a wormhole situation yeah, yeah. i if i never had to go to the bathroom again i'd be very happy so it much is? time saved it's not one robot. It's a swarm of nanobots. Yeah, yeah. And they, 
They just eat, clean out your bowels. Yeah. Yeah. E- eating the waste powers them to eat waste. And that's mm-hmm. all they do is just convert. Oh my God. That's it. Yeah. Just they're the butter serving a perpetual for motion machine to take care of somebody's poop. It's like I, the what, the it, Lucy it, or whatever other movie that is, but just of of excrement. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm the using a hundred percent of my butt brain. The Lucy of excrement. <laughs> All right, question number five, Nick. Uh, what t- what is a TV or um, TV show or movie you think everyone should watch? Not Logan's um, Run. So not I'm for- guess. <laughs> not Logan's Run. Uh, Devs. Devs is oh. one that oh, everyone seems yes. to have missed. I love Devs it. Devs is amazing. Um, Allison Pill, Nick Offerman, um, Stephen McKenley Henderson. Um, like, incredible cast. Very interesting, but like thriller and violent and other things too. But for some reason, everyone just missed it. Also, it's like in the Redwoods in the Santa Cruz Mountains, uh, which is my home. So it's like mm-hmm. the, the part of California that I wish everyone saw instead of just panning past San Francisco, <laughs> where I can see my workplace. And it was oh, very fun. funny to watch it in the pandemic. <laughs> and uh, so it's very funny in the pandemic to watch it and be like, oh, stop reminding me. Like, I'm just watching my show. It reminded me a lot of um, Neil Stevenson, but like uh, it had a good ending and it was suspend- more suspenseful than he usually writes. I would be more specific about stories it reminds me of of Neil Stevenson, but I feel like that's a spoiler. Mm. Yeah, dun, dun, it's dun. it's one that like it's very hard to actually describe it without immediately spoiling some aspect of it. Yeah, um, it was. Really, yeah. It's really best it. experienced. It's very pretty too. Um, I feel like uh, when when we think of like you know dynamite shows that have been like FX shows, devs and like Legion are ones that immediately come to mind as someone just gave someone with a weird script, a whole bunch of money and a good uh, casting director and said, fucking do it, man. Do like, do the weird. Amazing cinematography, yeah, a good yeah. set decoration and, and lighting. Yep. Absolutely beautiful. Top to bottom. That's, that's what David Lynch did for us with twin peaks. He made it possible for other people to do weird shit mm-hmm. uh, because he did. I don't know if that's really true, but in any case, uh, it, uh, it helped. So thank you, Jen, so much for joining us for this really interesting and deep topic. Uh, we've only uh, just scratched the surface, which is okay ah. if all you want to do is scratch the surface. You can just scratch the surface or or you can just grab a drill and learn how to use that drill to go deep, deep, deep below the surface. I will say I've heard that there are men on the Internet who will pay you to scratch their surface. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, if you're interested in uh, trying to turn my hobby into a job, if you're interested in going deeper into turning that hobby into a job, OnlyFans <laughs> is available for you, uh, and uh, it works somehow. I don't, I don't know. But anyway, <laughs> thank you for listening to Geeks Without God. If you'd like to answer our five questions, you can send your answers to five questions at geekswithoutgod.com. And we will read them on the air. We have not read anybody's answers for quite some time. And so we're just waiting patiently. I've got good news for you for next week. No, next week we're going to have questions to answer. And we mentioned geeky boners. And guess what's going to happen next week? You're not going to guess. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. It's going to be so great. But in any case, Jen, thanks so much for joining us. It has been fantastic having you. Thank you for listening to Geeks Without God. We will catch you next week around the same time. Bye.
Bye. Bye. The only reason I've never gotten into knitting or crocheting is because I would literally stab myself. We're geeks, we're geeks, we're geeks without God. Until next time, you can find us blogging at geekswithoutgod.com. You can follow us on Twitter at geekswithoutgod, and you can even like us on Facebook. We're geeks, we're geeks, we're geeks without God. We're geeks, we're geeks, we're geeks without God. We're geeks, geeks without God. Milliseconds detectable by the human brain as we all are excited about talking about a thing. <laughs>